0: Now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host Carl Amari.
1: You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a
2: it's time now for. Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the only. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co host is the astonishing Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Jimmy Cagney stars in a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense from 1948. But it's time now for Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? The Music Edition. Lisa will play clips from popular songs and provide a statement about each song, and my job is to guess if that statement is real or ridiculous. While you play along at home, right, Lisa? That's
3: right, Carl. So uh, these are all makeup songs. Makeup. And I've chosen some good ones. Let's, let's hear like the first Maybelline one. Like Maybelline. Right. Or Revlon. Uh,
1: yeah, Revlon mm-hmm. makeup songs. Or Chanel. Okay.
3: Everybody needs a little time
4: away. I've heard a say. From eternity.
3: holiday Far away from each other. Okay. So this is Hard to Say I'm Sorry, 1982 by Chicago. Ah. Written by Peter Sotero. Okay. Here's your statement. Yep. This song is heard in an episode of The Simpsons called Homer Alone. Real or ridiculous? It's real. Let's hear it. Hello? (laughs) Let's hear it.
1: Chirp, 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 chirp. Let's hear it. Chirp, chirp. So pull me closer. Whoops. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Like sitting there going, wow, which one of these buttons? I'm having
3: a little trouble
4: here.
1: Yeah, we figured that. Which one of these buttons is? (laughs) Okay, here we
3: go. Okay, great.
1: Chirp, chirp. Hello, I'd like the Department of Missing Babies. Please, hold.
3: It is ridiculous.
1: Did I say real? You
3: did say real.
1: It's been so long ago, I can't remember anymore.
3: So it was Baby. (laughs) (laughs) So they played Baby Come Back, not um, I'm Hard to Say, I'm Sorry. All right, so you're up. So I'm up. I'm going for the pizza. Wow. Here we go. Say more and you get a pizza. There we go. Nothing to it. Here's your next makeup song. So pull me closer. You know the song? Um, yeah, I think
1: okay,
3: so. Okay, this is called The Middle by Marin Morris and Gray, released in 2018. Okay. Okay, here's your statement. The Middle is heard on Target's 2018 spring ads.
1: Yes, real.
3: Let's hear it.
4: Hey, I'm Marin Morris. I'm Zed.
1: And we are on the set for our music video, The Middle, brought to you by
5: Target.
3: There it is. There it is. It is real. Absolutely. So there will be no pizzas today. There will be no pizza. But we'll have some more fun. Here's your next makeup song.
1: All right. When the
3: morning comes, I'm right back where I started
6: again.
1: I'm trying to forget that she just a waste of time. <laughs>
3: Baby come back. There's Baby Come Back by Player, released in 1977.
1: Play-a. Hey, Player. Player. I do a Player. Player. Here's play-a. a statement. In
3: 2008, yeah. this song was used for the Swiffer Wet Jet mop ads. Swiffer <laughs> wet Jet mop ads. I think it's real. Swiffer? Yeah. That's right. Well, let's listen. Once you switch to Swiffer Sweeper back,
5: you'll never go back to your old broom again.
3: There it is Wow I got another you one did, right But you got the first one wrong So it's That's all good Swiffer does it all It's powerful vacuum Picks up the big stuff And Swiffer dry cloths Trap and lock Dirt and dust Better than a broom Or your money back there it is. Guaranteed Yeah Do you use Swiffer chap Yeah Mop I think so. You think so? You don't know. I think so. <laughs> you don't know <laughs> Okay, I'll leave it there. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I have scores and scores of people that do that, that stuff that do for the me. mopping for yeah, you. I understand scores and scores.
3: Here's your last song.
4: We sail on
3: Open arms by Journey, released in 1981 on the album *Escape*. Right? Yeah. Alicia Keys recorded this for her 1996 album *Daydream*. Real
1: nah, ridiculous. that's ridiculous.
3: All right, let's play it. That's Mariah. Yes,
1: oh, it was like
3: you were right. Three quarters of a
1: pizza. You, yeah,
3: unfortunately. Three we're,
1: quarters of a yeah, pizza. do i not anything. Do I get, so I get sorry, the? Crust? Do I get anything
3: for the quarter?
1: Do I get any crust?
3: Yeah, I'll give you a crust. <laughs> That's, How about? I'll throw you some just bread Just like crumb.
1: some sausage. Some what? Sausage.
3: Sausage. Sausage. Okay. <laughs> from Chicago. Okay. What's some sausage? I'll, I'll I'll send some sausage. So wait a minute now. I way. got three
1: out of four. I know. Right. The deal is nothing? all or
3: nothing. Gosh, I'm sorry. It stinks. Yeah. What stinks?
1: Nah. That. that. That stinks. Rule. You stink. All right. Okay. <laughs> I
3: stink. <laughs> Maybe next week. All right. Uh, Keep uh, when trying. we come back,
1: Jimmy Cagney stars on Suspense. <laughs> Stick around.
0: More Hollywood 360 after these important messages.
5: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
1: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this
5: opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310.
1: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
0: And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari.
1: All right, suspense. Uh, You know, I don't know if I've ever heard a suspense story that I didn't think was great. I mean, that's pretty darn good because they did about 950 episodes over its 20-plus year run. 1942 until 1962. They were still broadcasting in the 60s. The year before I was born, it went off the air. I was born in 1963, and uh, there were still suspense episodes in
3: 1962.
1: Just missed it. You know?
3: Yeah, you certainly did. Maybe I was
1: in my mom's, you know, womb <laughs> listening to, she was maybe listening to these. Maybe. And I maybe heard the tail end of these suspense that episodes. That must be it. Could be. That's
3: probably why you're here today. I mean, it
1: could be, right?
3: Probably. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. But it's a good story. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm going to stick to it whether it's true or not. Right, I like it. Um, but suspense was just, uh, well, it was called Out Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills, and that's exactly what it was. They were very suspenseful thrillers, and it had the biggest names in Hollywood appearing before the CBS microphones, presenting these terrific stories. And this episode is, uh, is exactly that. Jimmy Stewart, one of the biggest movie stars of all time, stars in No Escape. It's really a great story about the town's safest driver who becomes the hit-and-run killer of four people. Very cool story. No escape. December 16, 1948, here's Jimmy Stewart as star of Suspense. I'm sorry, did I say Stewart? I meant Cagney. Thanks. Thank you there, Mike Bubblebath. Jimmy Cagney as star of Suspense. In just a moment, Autolite presents
2: Suspense with Jimmy Cagney. Harlow, tonight I understand we have an Autolite Suspense special. Every bit as special as your star performance as the Autolite resistor spark plug maestro. Is that a plug for me or for my favorites Autolite resistor spark plugs, Hap? Well, with no offense to either Harlow, it's neither. Tonight, Jimmy Cagney and Autolite and Suspense are dramatizing one of our great American tragedies. It's so tremendous a problem it warrants our entire nation warring against its grimness and the grim reaper who is its symbol. Tonight's suspense story will remind you to drive carefully behind Autolight resistor spark plugs or any other, Harlow. Then let's join the Autolight
0: audience and listen.
6: Suspense. Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations bring you radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Starting tonight, Mr. James Cagney in Anton Leader's production of No Escape. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense.
7: The only thing I can do now is tell you how it happened. Without any bunk. I don't care what you've heard or read about me I'm not a devil or a mad dog I don't know what people think happens to a fella Do they think all of a sudden I turned into stone? I'm no different than anybody else If I don't eat, I get hungry If I cut myself shaving, I bleed I'm just like the next guy And that's the whole idea This, this it happened to me, sure But it, it would have happened to anybody It could have happened to you It was supposed to have been one of them days you circle on the calendar with a red pencil. You see, with a little town like ours, 23 miles from the big city, right on the main highway... ...we get the speed artists going both ways. Yeah, and every couple of days they manage to leave something behind to remember them by. Like a kid with a broken back or, well, well, you get the idea. So a couple of years ago, the Chamber of Commerce started a safety campaign... ...to name the safest driver of the year. Something to kind of keep the guys on their toes. And this year, the fellow they chose for the award was yours truly. And tonight was the big doings with a few well-chosen words from me, a lad who was a public speaker, was a wonderful bus driver. I got to the house a little after six. Teddy, uh, my kid brother, was just leaving. Hi, you big shot. <laughs> Hello. Ladies and gentlemen, in this corner, the world's champion driver. <laughs> <laughs> that's me, all right. Hey, that's a swell picture of you in the paper. You don't look so bad for an older man. Quiet or I'll beat your ears in. <laughs> say, Eve called to say you should wear your blue suit and try to look human. That I would like to see. Me, too. (laughs) Sorry, I can't wait, though. I'm late for a date. I'll see you in the morning, and you can tell me how you slayed... All right, Ted. So long. I gave myself the works. Shower, shave, the blue suit, like the lady said. (laughs) Eve looked after me like I was at least five years old. I didn't mind a bit. Ever since Ma died in 42, I'd kept the house going for teddy. Because a kid needs something like that. But he was getting out of school in June, and then maybe Eve and I... Well, it was nice thinking about it. So nice that I guess I forgot all about the time that was passing. Yeah?
5: Look, slow motion, you should be halfway over here by now.
7: (laughs) Okay, Eve, honey. Got the speech ready?
5: Yes, but if you don't get moving, you'll be making that speech to a bunch of empty chairs and dirty plates.
7: Yes, Mama. Be right over. Eve lived outside of town. I'd really have to step on it to pick her up and spend some time rehearsing the speech and then get to the high school auditorium by 8. I got into the car and I decided to take the canyon road through the hills where there wasn't any traffic. I could make better time that way. Now, wait, wait, wait just a second. Let me get my thoughts together. i got to get this part exactly right. You've got to see it just like it happened or else it's all a waste of time. All right. I was on the canyon road that wound up through the steep hills. The wall of the mountain on one side of the road and the deep canyon on the other. About about ten to seven, but already dark. Nobody on the road but me, so I stuck pretty close to the middle. And every t- at every turn, the scream of the tires. But I wasn't worried about that. Four brand new tires, hardly a week old. And good brakes. I never take chances with things like that. Going about, about 50 miles an hour, maybe a little bit better. But I was all alone on the road, so what difference did it make? I was maybe two-thirds of the way up to the top right where the road makes a wide curve. I remember I, I put a cigarette in my mouth and I pushed the dashboard lighter in. I heard the lighter click and I started reaching for it. And then a pair of headlights blazing out of nowhere. And then a, a, a screeching horn, a car coming the other way. I felt my inside double up like a fist. I slammed my foot on the brake, swung the steering wheel to the right. I didn't feel anything hit and I thought, oh, God, it's going to be Okay. I jammed on the emergency. I jerked the door open. Now look back. The road was empty. I still heard the horn, though, but f- far away. And another sound, too, like a bunch of empty crates toppling over and over. And at first, it didn't register with me. For maybe, maybe half a second, I just stood there wondering what happened. Then I saw the reflection of the flame lighting up the whole canyon. I went to the side of the road and looked down. The car was about 500 feet below, burning. And the horn still blasting away like the driver's body had fallen against it. I started down the canyon It was almost, almost straight down I fell and I rolled and I came to my feet again Why didn't that one stop? Why didn't it stop? And then then it did stop and I realized that I had stopped I had stopped too What was I waiting for? To get my wind, that's all I, I went down another few feet and then and I stopped again Holding myself against the tree. Come on. Come on, Harry. Get going. No. No. What good would it do to go down there? I couldn't help whoever was in that car. It was too late. Nobody could help. Then, far down the road, I saw another pair of headlights starting the long climb. I went back to my car. I told myself I was going for help. I drove on to the top of the hill. There was a little gas station up there. They'd have a phone. I was almost there. An old fellow in white overalls was putting around the pumps. I started slowing down. My whole life was about to be smashed. I'd have to tell them the truth, and what good would it do? What about Eve? What about my kid brother, Teddy? What's more important than a man's own family? I'd reached the gravel driveway to the gas station. The old guy heard me coming and started straightening up. No, no, I swung back onto the highway and pushed the accelerators to the floor. Eve's house a little before seven thirty. It was funny. I thought I was okay until I reached for the door handle. And then my fingers seemed to go dead and my heart stopped, started going a mile a minute. Harry, is that you? That's me. I'm sorry. sorry. sorry I'm late, Eve.
5: Where in heaven's name have you been? Honestly, if you aren't the most aggravate, Harry Graham. What? Huh? Look at you. You look like you've been run through a threshing machine. Yeah,
7: I know. Let's go in and out. I'll clean up a little.
5: Well, what in the world happened? I
7: uh, had a flat tire. I had to change it on the road.
5: Flat tire? Oh, fine. All right, wait right here. I'll get the whisk room. Of all things to happen tonight. All
7: right, all right. Happened. Lay you off, will you? Harry. Oh, I'm sorry.
5: Well, don't just stand there. While I'm doing this, take your comb out and start combing your hair. Hmm.
7: Took my comb out and turned toward the hall mirror. Funny. I didn't look any different than yesterday or the day before that. I was still Harry Graham. After after he finished with me, we went back to the car. Get in.
5: I tell you what, you're so upset anyhow. Why don't you let me drive
7: into town? Okay, if you want to.
5: See, now, I turn left at the next block, don't I, for the canyon road? Canyon road? Yes, we can save some time going that way. No,
7: no. Huh? No. No, I, I don't want to go to Tech Ten, Canyon Road. I want you to go the regular way.
5: But we're going to be late.
7: Do what I tell you. I'll drive the car myself. But Harry, we always do what I tell you, Eve.
5: All right. Would have to bite my head off. What have you got against Canyon Road?
7: It's it's too dangerous at night. Well,
5: all I've got to say is that when they picked you for the safest driver of the year, Harry Graham, they really hit the jackpot.
7: school auditorium just a couple of minutes late, but as it turned out, we weren't the only ones late. When we got to the main table, I saw that the chair next to mine was empty. Police Chief Blake, who was supposed to introduce me for my speech, hadn't showed up yet.
3: <laughs>
7: and they, Then when the dinner was ended, Chief Blake came through the door, and he looked awfully. He went over to the chairman of the meeting and whispered something, pointing at me. And then, then he started for me, and I, I thought my heart would quit beating. I was looking for a way to escape, maybe when... Hello, Harry. Oh, uh, hello, Chief. Hello. Folks.
2: Folks, please. I'm sorry I'm so late. I've just come from Canyon Road. Another terrible accident. Car went over the canyon. Four people killed and burned. We still haven't gotten them out of the wreckage. It looks like they were forced off the road. Another dirty hit-and-run case. My boys are up there now looking for traces of this other car. I don't have to tell you that we're going to keep on looking till we find out who it was. That's why I had one of my boys bring me back to town here to this meeting tonight. Because now it's even more important to let a fellow like our friend Harry Graham here know we appreciate his good work and wish to the saints that were more like him. Yes, after what I just saw on Canyon Road, I'm really proud of Harry Graham. Um,
6: For suspense, Autolite is bringing you Mr. James Cagney in Radio's outstanding theater of thrills, suspense.
1: I mean, listen to that quality, Lisa. That's that's because it's direct from the master recording. There we have it. No escape. The first portion. Starring James Cagney. I know I <laughs> right. I know I said uh, Jimmy Stewart earlier. Sorry, not Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy Cagney as Mike Bubblebath uh so so uh kindly corrected me. Thank you, uh Bubblebath in there. You're welcome. <laughs> December sixteenth, nineteen forty eight. No escape. We'll get back to it in a in a little bit. Are you enjoying this episode?
3: Oh, it's great.
1: Suspense is terrific, right? It's
3: always great.
1: Yeah, we play a lot of suspense episodes and escape. Those are those are great yep. too. Um, my favorite is Boston Blackie. Oh, I know. I just love, love, love Boston Blackie. I have to play some more. You know? Yeah. Why don't I treat myself every once in a That's while? That's right. More in a moment.
4: I'm so
1: Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on 5 CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full 5-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535.
0: Now back to the best in
1: Classic Radio On Hollywood 360. All right. This is Hollywood 360. Across hundreds of radio stations, coast to coast, we're also heard in 168 countries on American Forces Radio. Every naval ship at sea can hear our program on American Forces Radio. Pretty cool, huh? Very cool. We're out there in the wide blue yonder. Off Off we go go. into Into the the sea. sea. Yeah? Yeah. I'm trying to get a radio, a, a record gig. on this you? radio show? I'm trying okay, to get. A well, you
3: did call for record. Billy Joel, and I didn't hear yeah. from him, so I don't understand why he didn't. Somebody call.
1: out there, Lisa, somebody listening to my voice right now, right, owns a record label. Right?
3: I don't know about wants that. to
1: take a chance on a
3: take a chance on, on it, me. take a chance
1: on me. And um, they're probably like, okay, he's not the best, but we can auto tune him. We can Maybe get him some trainable. lessons. Yeah, get him some lessons. Put a little money into him. You know. <laughs> you know.
3: It is um, a little work.
1: Invest a little bit of money, right? not a lot of money. He's like
3: a house. You have to get a fixer-upper. Fix it sometime. up. I'm
1: like a fixer-upper. You're yep. a fixer-upper. Yep. Or like a. 74 Chevy, Chevy Nova. Nova
3: exactly um, maybe needs that's a little just who tender, you are.
1: loving care
3: that's for sure get me some lessons mm-hmm.
1: auto tune me a little bit right um have some songs for me maybe have taylor swift write them sure you know
3: i could do backup for and you and then
1: uh no, I'm, I'm, available I'm solo for... i'm a solo no as uh, a artist. backup singer sorry i'm a solo okay. artist <laughs> I don't need any backup singers.
3: I'll dance behind you. No, I don't no, need any help. No dancers, help. I'm just, no singers. I'm good by myself. Seriously, are you sure you don't need any help?
1: No, I don't need any. You're help. not sure. And then I'm trying. To, I want to be like a records. I want to be like a, a star. I want to be a singer, right? Do I want to be a singer, and I want to have my own try record label. Idol. My own records they come make out. Stars. And I want to be like Adele, where I just, I just, they're a number, like one, two, three. Four. She's up to like what 30 records or something like that I right now. I say so. Mine is like Carl Amari, one, one you know, right? And then Carl Amari, two.
3: Well, maybe just Carl. I mean, everybody's gonna know your name,
1: right? Just so you, Carl, like Cher, you know, Madonna, See, now Carl. You're, now you're thinking, Lisa, mm-hmm. now yeah. you are just, adding. I mean, to this who else whole, is
3: you know famous like that,
1: right? To my dream, you're adding to my dream. Oh, just Carl, you're right, it's just, everyone will know who I am, right. And then... um, I'm adding to your How (laughs) many songs would I have on each album? Ten?
3: That's about right. Yeah.
1: And I go into the studio. I'll work hard. If you own a record label, I will work hard. Right. I I don't need, like, a limo or anything. I'll get there myself. (laughs) Yeah. I might need some training, a little bit right, of training. Just a little bit. Just invest a little bit of money in. Well,
3: me. that kind of happened to me once. It just didn't pan out. What happened? When I got cast to sing in an opera, uh-huh. they thought that, that with some training I would be really good. Were you? I wasn't.
1: No. So that lasted I don't what? Feel one that, show?
3: No, one. I mean, I I finished the show. You did the show. I did the show every week. Really. Yeah, but I, don't like I was
1: opera, yeah. So, I
3: didn't um, like the show, and I didn't feel that I was up to par with you like my that? singing. Whoa! Whoa! No, because I can't sing uh, operatically.
1: Why did they think you could? sing I don't know. An they opera. thought
3: that I they would be able to teach me. I can sing, but not like that. Yeah. So there you go. Sometimes you can't train an old dog to do new well, tricks. Also- so maybe
1: you should be getting the record deal. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Well, Maybe not. I don't know, though, Mike.
3: <laughs> I'm open to anything, Mike. You You're know. a pretty
1: good singer, though, Lisa. I'd
3: like to, you know... You're pretty m- good. ...move on up and... Yeah,
1: moving, moving on, on up.
3: up to- All right, we're
1: listening to James Cagney, <laughs> not James Stewart, in No Escape, sponsored by Autolite. Great cast, too. Paul Freeze doing the announcing. His voice was like, wow. Yeah. Uh, December 16th, 1948.
6: Here's the conclusion. To suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage... Mr. James Cagney as Harry in No Escape. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense.
7: I, I had to keep my eyes on the table. I couldn't even look at the chief as he stood there praising me. All I could see was that burning wreck at the foot of the cliff. And all I could hear was that awful horn blowing. I had to bite my lip to keep him screaming... I did it,
2: Harry. Oh. Harry, what? Oh, what? Uh. Open your feet, son. We'd like to hear a few words from you. Yeah,
6: oh, Harry.
2: Look, uh, look, uh, look,
7: chief folks. I, uh, I don't think anybody wants to listen
2: to me tonight. Uh, please, let's forget it. No, Harry. Now more than ever, we should hear what a fellow like you has to say.
1: Come on, Harry. Hey, just a few oh, water, just but a... listen, listen. Uh,
5: Go
7: on, Harry. Uh, oh, well, all right. I'm, a, I'm afraid I'm no, I'm no great shakes as a speech maker. Just a lucky thing, my girl's a good English teacher.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
7: I, uh, I don't believe we should honor a man for safe driving any more than we should honor him because he's never killed anyone with a gun. Uh, when a when a man gets behind the wheel of a car, he doesn't give up his responsibilities to his fellow men. No one can escape the the the, uh, the responsibility of being his brother's keeper, and and that goes for, that goes for. That's, uh, Harry, what's wrong? Listen well? to me. How can I stand up here and read a speech after what, after what Chief Blake just told us?
2: No, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Uh, I guess Harry's right after all, folks. I guess maybe we'd just better call the meeting off. I know I've got to get back to Canyon Road as soon as I can. Come on, Eve. Come on. Let's get out of here. All right, honey. Oh, Harry. Yeah, Chief. Uh, you can do me a big favor, huh? Fellow brought me down here. Had to beat it right back to the accident. Oh, so? Uh, I've got to get back there myself right away. Hmm. Can you give me a lift? Uh, well, I'd sh- I sure like to, Chief, but, well, I've got I've to get Eve home.
5: Well, you could take me home by the way of Canyon Road. We've gone that way before, honey. But,
2: uh. I'd uh, be much obliged to you, Harry. Well, you see, Chief, it's. Harry? Okay, okay, let's go. Uh, it's too bad the meeting had to end like this. But I have a hunch you feel like I do, Harry. Like you can't sit still till you find the rat who killed those people. Well, I promise you this, Harry. Whoever he is, we'll get him. Yeah,
7: wasn't that one for the book? Less than two hours after my accident with the other car going over into the canyon, I was back on Canyon Road. Only this time with Eve sitting behind me and the chief of police in back.
2: Now, Harry, if you don't mind, could you step on it a little bit? I, I promise you, I won't give you a ticket. Okay, Chief.
5: Honey, push the lighter in, will you? The lighter? For my cigarette. Oh, sure,
2: sure. This speed be better, Chief? Fine.
5: Harry hates this road. I wanted him to take it earlier tonight.
2: Yeah, it's all right if you got good
7: tires. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. Had four brand new ones put on just last week. Oh, here, here's your light, Eve. Eve. Huh?
5: Oh. Thanks.
7: Hmm. Her voice didn't sound right voice didn't sound right. And then I remembered. When I picked her up tonight, I told the reason I was so messed up was that I'd had to change a tire. She was thinking about that now. I knew she was, trying to figure out why I'd lied to her. Nobody said anything after that. When we reached the part of the road just before it made the big bend, I started slowing down. I uh, hope I got you here quick enough, Chief. Yeah, you did fine.
5: Is this where it was?
7: Yeah, just around this bend. Yeah, that's right. But how did... Huh?
5: N- nothing.
7: Again, again, I'd said the wrong thing. What was the matter with me? How was I supposed to know that that accident was around the bend? I was cutting my own throat, but now. Now I'd made the turn and there was the red flags burning on the road and a big crash truck at the edge of the canyon and police cars blocking the highway.
2: Just pull over the side, Harry. Okay. How are they coming down there, Fraser? Oh, oh hello, Chief. You ready to start bringing them up soon?
7: That's, uh, that's a walkie-talkie he's
2: working with? Yeah. Mm. Keeps contact with the men down the canyon. Say, Harry, why don't you come along with me and really see how's, how we work here? Oh, thanks, but I've, I've got to get Yvonne home. The school teachers
7: has got, got to get up early. Isn't that right, baby?
5: I don't mind waiting if you'd like to stay.
7: Huh? Well, come along, Harry. Oh, but... Uh...
5: I don't mind waiting, Harry. Hmm.
7: Now now it was me against all of them. Oh, I was sick about that car down there in the canyon, those four bodies inside. But, well, nothing could change that now. And I was fighting for my own life. And they wouldn't break me down. I stood with my foot on the bumper and Chief Blake leaning against the fender of my car while his boys gave him their reports about the hit-and-run car. And it didn't bother me a bit. Two of them told about the plastic cast they made made of, 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 a, of, a, of a tire mark they found on the road. Uh,
2: does it help you any, Chief? Uh, not much, Harry. New tire. A lot of people have new tires. <laughs> you, for instance.
7: <laughs> and I kicked my new front tire for them. Kicked it hard. They brought over an old fellow in white overalls. The guy in the service station where I'd almost turned in to report the accident.
2: The chief asked him if he thought the car he would seen was a hit-and-run. It must have been. Just about that time, you know. And the way this fella skadoodled away for no reason at all. I don't know what kind of a car it was, though. A black sedan, I'd say. <laughs> like this one, maybe? Uh, uh, well, might be. Might be that.
7: But it it's too dark to so be sure. Well, first thing tomorrow, I'm going to get myself a green convertible. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody got a good laugh out of that. But I would have to be careful. Mustn't go too far. It was me against all of them, and I felt the kind of excitement that a guy might get from walking a tightrope. Thinking back now, sure seems screwy, but that—that's how I felt. And maybe that is the worst thing that happens to a guy in my spot. The way it turns you into a wild animal against the world. All right, Charlie.
2: Chief Blake. Hey, yeah, Charlie. It was the fellow with the walkie talkie over near the crash truck. We're ready to start bringing up the bodies. Okay. Come on, Harry. Let's go away. Something flopped coldly in my stomach and then lay still.
7: This was the test. If they didn't break me down now, they could never do it, never in a million years. All the people who'd come up from the town started gathering around the crash truck. I wanted to run and never stop running. But I didn't move. And just then first body swung into view. And you could hear everyone in the crowd suck in his breath, and I bit down hard on my lip till I tasted blood. A brown blanket wrapped neatly around something, and then the bundle rested on the ground. And everyone seemed to edge away from it like it could hurt them. And the cable went down into the valley again. And then there was a second bundle. And then... There was a third, and then a fourth. And over and over, like a drum beat like a prayer, I told myself they wouldn't break me down. And then someone pushed forward from the crowd. Joe Mandel, the little tailor. He seemed shy and embarrassed, as though he had no business being here. Uh, uh, Chief, Chief Blake.
2: Huh? Oh, yeah, Joe. Uh, my boy, Philip... He, he didn't come home for supper tonight, and I... You, you want to look? Uh... Well, you know how a woman is.
7: Rose will feel better if I tell her. Okay, I looked, and it wasn't... Well, you
2: know. All right, Joe. Doesn't hurt none. Thank you.
6: No. I... No. <laughs> I'd I better go back to my Rose.
2: I, Sorry, Joe. I. uh, w- Wait a minute. Yes. Do you know who Phil was going to be with tonight?
7: His best friend was Mike Roebuck. They were always together. The Goldust twins, everybody called them. Uh, thanks, Joe. Excuse me, Chief. I must go to Rose now.
2: Fraser! Yes, Chief. Get back to town. Go over the Roebucks. Don't tell them anything is wrong. Just see if Mike's home.
3: Okay.
7: I couldn't take anymore. I started back for the car. My legs felt like they weighed a ton. I heard a sudden movement in the crowd behind me.
4: Oh, no! Oh, my baby! My baby!
7: They wouldn't break me down. They wouldn't break me down. I opened the car door. And Eve was there. I'd almost forgotten her, and I was sure she knew the truth.
5: They brought up all four? Yeah. Harry. I,
7: I, don't, I don't want to hear anything now. I'm taking you home. Wait, Harry. Listen, I'm telling you.
5: Kiss me, Harry.
7: Huh?
5: Hold me and kiss me. I'm such a stupid fool. Hold me. Hold all right, me. All right,
7: all right. No, now stop it, stop it.
5: Harry. If you knew what's been going through my mind. Okay,
7: okay. Stop it. Just
5: a fool, a stupid fool. And then when I saw you come back to the car, the look on your face... Oh, Harry, how could I have ever thought...
7: No, all right, all right. (laughs) Now we'll talk about it later.
5: I'll never talk about it again. Never,
3: Harry.
7: So it was all over with. I was going to be okay. God, I wasn't proud. I felt rotten and sick. And now that it was all over, the strength ran out of me like water running out of a glass. But what good would it have been to crucify myself? It wouldn't have changed anything. I wasn't a bad guy. It could have happened to anybody. And now, now I was going to be able to take care of my own. Eve... And my kid brother, Teddy. Was that a bad guy? A fellow who wanted to do right for his family? I started the car. And I put in gear and then looking at me through the windows was Chief Blake, signaling me to wait. I turned the key off. Well, whatever it was, I was very tired.
2: Come on out, Harry. But I've got to get Eve home. Come on out of the car. But... Harry, do like I tell you. Come with me. What do you want? Come with me. When you drove up here tonight, I... I didn't think it would end like this. You know about it? You of all people, Harry. Listen, you've got to believe me. It shouldn't have happened to a fella like you. You've got to hear my side. Right here, Harry. Huh? What? What are you... Take a look at this fourth body. Why should I? Pull the blanket back, Harry. Oh no.
7: No. Teddy. Teddy <laughs> So, that's it. The whole works. I don't care what you heard or read in the papers. That's the story, just like it happened. No bunk. And thinking back, I, I guess I kind of hit the nail on the head in that speech that I made that night. You know, that part about no man can ever escape the responsibility of being his brother's keeper.
6: Thank you, James Cagney, for a magnificent performance. And now here again is Mr. James Cagney. It's
7: always a pleasure to appear on Suspense, but I was especially pleased when Tony Leader asked me to do tonight's story. That's because I feel strongly about the kind of thing that happened to Harry Graham. I believe that any person who gets behind the wheel of a car assumes a great responsibility to himself, to his family, to his fellow men. That one moment of carelessness or recklessness or drunkenness can mean a lifetime of pain and misery for someone. And it might be you or me. Yes, when you're driving an automobile, we are our brother's keepers. Over the holiday season and all the time, drive carefully. Next week on radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Herbert Marshall will appear in a story with a Christmas atmosphere. Another study in... Suspense. James Cagney is
0: now appearing in the photo play of William Soroyan's prize stage hit, The Time of Your Life. Copies of tonight's suspense play, No Escape, by Larry Marcus, will be available for educational use by groups interested in highway safety. They may be obtained by writing, suspense, the Columbia Broadcasting System, Hollywood, California. Music was composed by Lucian Morawack and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leader. In the coming weeks, Suspense will present such stars as Ronald Coleman, Robert Montgomery, Dana Andrews, and Frank Sinatra. Make it a point to listen each Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. And next Thursday, same time, hear Herbert Marshall.
5: This is the Autolite Suspense Show. All right, Mr. Wilcox.
0: Autolite and CBS wish to thank the radio editors and columnists of America for electing suspense as the best mystery show in the annual balloting conducted by Motion Picture Daily for the magazine Fame.
5: Good night. Switch to Autolite.
0: This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: It sounded like you at the end of that. Uh, that is me. Is that? Mm-hmm. Switch to I did auto it when light. I was
3: younger. Good did night. You? Switch to auto light.
1: It sounds exactly yeah, like it, you. It's me. But uh, how long ago? 1948, so. Yeah, that's
3: about when I did it. I was yeah. born in 32. Right. So I was about 16. Nice. Yeah. It was did a the great math. gig. You did the math quickly Thanks. there. Pretty good
1: for, <laughs> for someone who's not. That graded math. What makes you it. think? <laughs> <laughs> no Escape, sponsored by Autolite. Good, Good night. night. Um, James Cagney, December 16th, 1948, is heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. Time for Sarah's Backstage Pass.
4: Hi, Carl, and hello to all of our listeners out there. Tonight, I'm going to review the movie Oppenheimer, It's playing now in theaters. It's based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning book and is directed by Christopher Nolan. The film focuses on the experimental physicist Robert Oppenheimer and his journey in Los Alamos, New Mexico in creating the atomic bomb. Killian Murphy stars as Oppenheimer along with a stellar cast including Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Rami Malek and Florence Pui
6: Theory will take you only so far I don't know if we can be trusted with such a weapon
4: You'll see an up-close and personal look at Oppenheimer's struggles in not only creating the bomb but also the conflicts in his married life But we have no choice Wow, I'm in. Four stars out of four, Christopher Nolan gives us an inside look into the intense problems the U.S. government faced during World War II. We also view the scientific process of creating a bomb and the after effects Oppenheimer himself faced from the U.S. government. All aspects of the film are great. The sound, visuals, and oh boy, mainly the acting. You know, I really appreciated this film as I learned so much about the challenging time in the 1940s, although the three-hour runtime time might be a little long for some. Thanks for listening in tonight. I'm Sarah Knight-Adamson, your national film critic for Sarah's Backstage Pass. Check out my website and be sure to see Oppenheimer playing now in theaters, and I'll see you next week.
0: And now back to
1: Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. In our next hour, Jackson Beck stars as Philo Vance, detective, broadcast from 1949. But first, Lisa Wolf Dillon is our lyricist. For learning the lyrics.
3: That's right. We are on the letter H, and you had a terrible time last week. Yeah.
1: Did so I get any? any you I didn't had, get any. No, I got one. Did you? The last one I did. Okay. Yes.
3: Well, I made it a little easier, I think, this week. Oh, thank week. you. Okay. So I, I feel like you. you're going to get all three. Mike, what do you, know you think? how hard this is? No, I Maybe. think you're going to get all of these. Really? I think so.
1: It starts with H? H. Happy together. Well, it's a
3: good one, but I didn't make it that easy. Ah, bah, bah. Ah,
1: all right. We'll bah. see next hour.